Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire our conversations. I'm Doc Philip Brown. I'm here with Dr. Terry Jackson, and we're at Unlikely Intersections. The interesting thing is that we all experience many intersections daily. These may be at home, at work, mm-hmm. at play, where we worship. And it's how we handle these intersections that determine the course of our day and of our lives. I'm excited about this morning, the whole truth. Yes, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. I'm not going to say so, help me. I'll leave it right there, right? But it should be a very interesting topic. I look forward to it as well. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we struggle with so much now is folks are just stringing facts together. It makes a beautiful story and bears no resemblance to the truth. None whatsoever. Um, In our professions, in our educational uh, background, we've had the ability to be able to go in and do research and how to read and understand what methodology is to kind of come away with what we think of some of the truth is, right? We know how to string it together in such a way we can provide all of the evidence that's needed to support what we believe in. But when we look at what's happening today with what they call the, the truth, we know it's not the whole truth. It's almost like we live in a world where we don't want to be confused by the facts. Right. We just want to believe what we believe, let everybody kind of rally around that, and then we create our social circles and our (laughs) ideological groups based on our system of beliefs. Yes, and that's exactly what it is. I I believe, and I, you know, we were talking earlier, and I said, so how do we go, and when do we go from believing to knowing? Because when we start talking about reading and research, right, and, and stringing together these facts to support what we think is the truth versus the whole truth, it muddies the water a great deal, and we can look out in society today and we can see so many different groups of people who are believing so much information with facts that have been strung along to appear to be truth, but they're not. And, and let's, let's make this clarity right here, right? The truth isn't absolute. The truth is... Anything that man deals with with the truth is not absolute because there's some new discovery that can happen a little bit later on to add to that truth. Not that that truth is a lie. It's just we found out new and better evidence to support the new truth. Well, right. I mean, we, we used to believe the earth was flat, yes, right? Yeah. And in medicine, interesting, this goes back to the 1800s, uh, there was uh, a physician who could not understand why all these women were dying Mm. after childbirth. Mm -hmm. They'd get a terrible infection and they would die. And what he realized was that the the medical students were helping these women deliver babies and then going down to anatomy lab Mm. and doing the dissections on, on these dead bodies and coming back and infecting these women's based on their hands being dirty. So he did an experiment. He had it where a group washed their hands when they came in, and it totally eliminated these infections, right? Well, it was decades later before that became accepted. They actually locked that man up, said he was crazy. Mm -hmm. And even now today, we still see issues with everybody washing their hands in the healthcare setting. We work on it as a fundamental all the time. So it's, you know, it's like mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a fundamental truth, but people couldn't believe that these, these medical students, these people that were trained, professional-type people, mm-hmm. were actually the cause of the problem. You know, <clears throat> it's interesting that that exists in that particular industry. And there's another industry where we talk about the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And there was a famous movie where Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth as he sat on the stand, right? And that's the judicial system, right? They tell us that they want nothing but the truth. However, the process in and of itself, 
doesn't allow for the truth. And I think you can elaborate on that a little oh, bit. Oh, I can, you know, because I've done a lot of expert witness work in healthcare. And it's amazing. You get sworn in and tell the truth, the whole truth, <laughs> and nothing but the truth. And then they restrict what you can say, <laughs> right? right? The whole system is built upon uh, structured questions that build a truth based on the plaintiff attorney and the defense attorney. And that may or may not resemble the real truth. And so it's really, you know, you see this entire philosophy permeates every system we have, right? Look at the education system mm -hmm. and how stories have been created, right? Like we can talk about the entire history of our country as presented in the school systems across the country as being something fundamentally different than the whole truth. And heaven forbid we try to get the whole truth out there because people lose their mind. <laughs> Absolute truth. So we can mention CRT, right? And CRT really is kind of the suppression of the truth. You know, I remember being taught in grade school growing up about George Washington, you know, and uh, how he had wooden teeth. I never forget that. But later in life, doing research, come to find out his dentures weren't wooden. And had I thought about it at the time, if he had wooden teeth and his dentures were wooden, maybe the splinters would have killed him, right? <laughs> he would have swallowed them. He could have spit them all out. But come to find out that his dentures were where they pulled teeth from slaves and made his dentures. And I'm like, wow, that had to be painful. So you want to talk about the whole truth and not a belief in a truth that we've been given in a book. And someone made a great observation earlier in a conversation we were having. They said, just because it's in a book doesn't necessarily mean it's truth, right? And we have to be, we have to be mindful of, of that. Given that we've done research and we understand methodology, we know how to get to some some truth, right? In the research, we begin running into to data and information that continues to to appear, and then you look at the references and of of, of those people who who did the the research, right? And and, and all of the um, different topics um, from an academic perspective, right? And we get to some truths, but. What we have to realize is our truth today may not be our truth tomorrow. We have to be flexible enough to understand that as we add on to our body of knowledge. What, what really comes to my mind is the fact that a lot of folks don't have the opportunities that you and I had to get advanced. You know, we both have doctorate degrees mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and have learned a lot along the way about how you look at research, how you scrutinize it, whether that's statistically or whether that's scientifically through the scientific method. And it really makes me wonder, you know, John Q. Public, how do you know what to believe? <laughs> how do you know what to believe? Yeah. You know, there are a lot of gullible people in the world, right? And so anything you give them, they'll believe because for whatever reason, they're hunting for something, right? Whether it's hope uh, whether it's guidance, they're hunting and searching for something. And so for some people, anything you give them, they'll believe. There are other people who it's more difficult for them to believe. Maybe they're more cynical than, than, than others, right? Um, but what I do know is this. At some point in time, the whole truth is distorted. Given your agenda... And there are plenty of agendas out there in society. And if we speak to the political field, there are all kinds of agendas and all kinds of facts that have been strung together to create what they call the truth, but it's not the whole truth because evidence doesn't support what is, what is being said versus evidence supporting. I personally believe we live in an evidence-based world. And because of that, you can find a semblance of truth and everything, but that doesn't necessarily make it the whole truth. Yeah, I mean, you know, it makes me think confirmation bias. Yes. 
folks are so much more likely to latch on to a truth that is consistent with what they believed in the first place. And we're no exception to that either, right? right and right. it really made me think back to the early days of the COVID-19 mm. pandemic. Mm. And it was a perfect storm because we didn't know very much about how to navigate the virus safely. Mm -hmm. The pandemic was killing people all over the world. Mm -hmm. And the evidence of how to safely navigate it kept changing because we learned more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we would take certain approaches and it would get us so far and then we'd learn something else and the guidance would change. Well, that blew people's minds and it, it made folks think there was some grand conspiracy or mm -hmm. that the whole thing was wrong. And in the meantime, those of us in the healthcare industry are watching people dying, mm -hmm. many people on mm -hmm. a daily basis, mm -hmm. over a million people in this country and really uncountable worldwide, right? Mm -hmm. Because we just, you know, and, and at the same time, there was just this, this tornado mm -hmm. of, of folks creating information to describe a particular narrative that they wanted to have happen. And mm -hmm. it was hurting people. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the inside, you know, what it did to us was it hurt our profession. I mean, we've seen people leave the profession, whether it's nursing, whether it's physicians, mm -hmm. whether it's any any other disciplines associated with healthcare, uh, and financially, it was also a, a disaster. And mm -hmm. people created all mm -hmm. this information to say, "Oh, well, the health systems are they're they're diagnosing all this COVID because they get paid mm -hmm. a huge amount." Mm -hmm. Well, look at the look at the financial statements; they're publicly available of mm -hmm. every not-for-profit health system in North Carolina or in the country. And see what you see. Mm -hmm. Do the math, and you'll see that mm -hmm. it was a it was a disaster for us. But at the same time, people mm -hmm. were like, "Oh man, they're just mm -hmm. taking it to mm -hmm. the bank." Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, th there is a an exercise that we do in in, in in training and development and leadership. And you, I'm sure you'd be very familiar with this. And that is, you ask everybody in the room to stand up, and you give you whisper in one person's ear a story. And you ask them to tell that story to the next person and to the next person. And what you get, by the time it gets to the 5th, 10th, 15th, 20th person, the story that was told to the first person is totally different from the last person. It's all based upon how we interpret information uh, and how we hear uh, what we heard how we see it, even though we've heard the same thing and we see the same thing, our interpretation individually, we're going to see it a little bit different. We're going to interpret it a little bit different. We're going to use verbiage that's a little bit different. That kind of changes everything. That also impacts what the whole truth is, right? You talked about the healthcare industry and all the conspiracy theories around the pandemic, you know, I used to hear a whole lot of stuff, and I came to the conclusion that I was going to respond one way. I'm not sure what's going on because, one, I'm not in the medical profession, but what I do know is people are dying. That's what I do know is happening, right? So what we have to do is get to the root cause of the information such that we can believe what the medical professionals are telling us because people are dying. That's all that I know. That's that's the uh, that's the outcome that that is happening to people across the world. That's the common denominator. People are dying. So let's gather all the information we possibly can. Let's listen. Let's sift through it. But the medical professionals, they they know exactly what they're doing. And I think you gave me a statistic in a conversation one time that the information or the knowledge in the medical professional is doubling every 72 days or 21 days what's the what's the correct stat yeah, on that it's it is about every 70 days now you know somewhere between 70 and 75 days the the amount of medical knowledge doubles and so how does that impact the whole truth right because that's what we are always seeking we're always seeking the whole truth and, and what we have to become comfortable with is 
the changing, the amount of, the vast change of information on a day-to-day basis. And so we know that the whole truth is going to shift, right? And not that anybody's trying to tell anybody anything false, just a simple, because of technology, all the data, right? All the information, and you're looking for patterns so you can take data, and data goes from data to information because you find the patterns in it. And then you, you try to turn it into knowledge by applying it. And however you apply it, Regardless of what the outcome is, there's knowledge that's attained, right? How to do something, how not to do something. And then it becomes wisdom when it actually works as you want it to work. So there's a lot that impacts the whole truth. Yeah, I mean, we're creating evidence every day based on what we do and what happens. And you and I spend a lot of time talking about intent versus impact. And it's, it's the scrutiny of that impact versus the original intent mm-hmm. that builds reliable evidence. In other words, we have to understand what we were trying to do, what we did, and what happened. And then from what happened, we analyze those results and put it back in and can understand what those interventions actually mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter whether you're learning to drive mm-hmm. or trying to save somebody's life or anything in between. That's what happens. It's a it's a as uncomfortable as it is, it's a trial and error world. Yes. 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 And and you just made a clear distinction if people really listen to what you just said. What you're talking about you really gave them an, a methodology, right? About how to go about finding something. But it's all rooted in logic. Step one, step two, step three. Let me identify what the problem is. Let me find out how and why and what. You walk through a simple methodology of using logic (laughs) to come to evidence. And what most people don't do is think logically emotions get involved or some information that they heard from someone that they quote unquote trust. It has to be truthful information because it came from, doesn't matter what the source is, right? That to them, that source is, is, is a trusted source when in fact, it may not have any semblance of truth in it whatsoever. And that's what we run into every day with people, the gullibleness of people, the inability to really do the research and to go through the, the critical questions, right, which, which goes to critical thinking. We don't do enough critical thinking in this country to get to the whole truth. And that takes me right to our friend, Dr. Rao, when he talks about mental models and mental chatter and all these things. And, yeah, mental models get us through life, and that's okay. You know, I have set up a set of rules in my head that applies mm-hmm. only to me in my average day mm-hmm. and that helps me navigate i get it gets me to work mm-hmm. unless there's an accident and then it has mm-hmm. to go a different mm-hmm. way all these mm-hmm. things right mm-hmm. and one of the most stressful things i see and i see it a lot in medicine and healthcare, but it's really everywhere is that people get profoundly stressed when their model breaks down but there's no that's totally illogical because it was just a model to start with, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a fundamental, foundational truths necessarily, right? It was just my model for how I navigate. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one of the things that really helped me along the way is just try to speed up my recognition of when the model doesn't apply. That's right. Right? So That's like right. I get into a situation and all of a sudden my model doesn't apply. There's no sense in being stressed and, and, and trying to force something that doesn't fit, I need to take a step back. Look at how the the whole set of features has changed, mm-hmm. and then make a new model. That's right. Maybe it's very similar to my old one. Maybe it's totally different. But there's no sense in getting hung up on thinking that we really have been totally in control of something, even our own lives, because there's so many factors that we have no way to control, That's and right. they're going to change from minute to minute. That's right. You know, <clears throat> in the consulting field, I, I, I started to think about that whole 360 assessment, right, of how uh, 
there's one particular individual who is going through some coaching or they're being consulted about something and what you want to do is get information about that particular individual from um, several other people, right? So you go ask them, what are their thoughts about this person? You ask them their challenges, how could they improve, whatever the questions may be. And you come back and you put together a, a summary about what these people said about this one individual, right? And sometimes it's similar, sometimes it's a little bit different. But what you're really trying to get at is the truths of how people see that particular individual, right? And how they see themselves. And to each and every person who gave information or had input to them, that's their whole truth around that individual, right? How they see them, how they interpret their actions, their words. Um, and so you get six to 10 whole truths and you try to mesh that all together to come up with the whole truth, <laughs> right? In a summary that you can report to this person about how others see them. And so here are the things they have to do. And they're going to try to change that whole truth around how these individuals see them based upon their behavior change, right? So that means that the whole truth changes God knows how many times so that they they themselves can, be get a, can become uh, a better leader or a better employee, right? And so that I begin to think about culture changing this whole truth, right? Which is massive. And now you get to understand why sometimes cultures change and sometimes they don't because everybody's whole truth is a little bit different. And that separation, uh, when you talk about an organizational dynamic, right, the whole truth at the top of the organization is fundamentally different than the whole truth at the foundational levels of the organization where the work is actually done. Mm -hmm. There's magic when those come together, mm -hmm. yet too often they just remain on parallel tracks. And so you get comments like, the ivory tower is out of touch Yes, or, you know, <laughs> uh, even less kind things than that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which actually are also true. That's true. Right. I mean, you know, it is. And, you know, each of those groups believe what they believe, mm -hmm. uh, which is why, in my opinion, one of the, one of the most uh, challenging parts of contemporary leadership is to bring those together. Right. Mm -hmm. Is as a leader to, have humility mm -hmm. to spend time at the front lines, what they used to call management by walking around mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to really begin to understand and to be able to have some, some forthright dialogue where as a leader, you're spending more time listening and almost no time giving mm -hmm. an answer. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause truth is you probably don't know that answer anyway. Right. Right. You know, I think about the whole truth again, and I think about it now from a historical perspective, right? We both live in a city where there was a historical event that happened many years ago, 1898 to be exact. And we still don't know the whole truth of what happened because either people don't want to talk about the whole truth, um, it's tough to do the research about the whole truth, or people believe the whole truth differently than what occurred. Um, some people said it was uh, an insurrection. Uh, I think when I first looked up the whole truth around 1898, um, they called it a race riot. And I dissected it and I was like, it wasn't a race riot because it was one group of people perpetrating violence on another people. So it wasn't a riot. Um, but just to that give that's an example of how people see and interpret the whole truth as they want to interpret it and tell the story of what it is. Another example, and we I know we're going to get back to 1898, but in Texas, in the in the history books now, they're changing the history books. They're no longer referencing slavery. They're just calling it a relocation of Africans from Africa to the U.S. It's known as a relocation, an involuntary relocation to be exact. 
so they no longer reference the word slavery. So now that we talk about the whole truth around that history and how it's being revised over a period of time, it makes the whole truth seem not important. Yeah, that's wow. That's pretty pretty deep when you put all that together. And I'm thinking when you talk about 1898 and Wilmington, it really gives gives me a lot of food for thought about what the whole truth is now, mm-hmm. right? So we can sit here in 2022 Wilmington and look at a very successful Dr. Terry Jackson mm-hmm. and say. Dr. Jackson's very successful. He's a black man. The whole truth is that (laughs) there's no problem here. We don't have any uh, persistence of racial discrimination. Racism doesn't exist anymore. It's a a thing of the past. But when we really look at the whole truth and look at what opportunities exist in this community and many communities across the country, Mm -hmm. that's a much different picture. And that's a great example of how you can take a fact. Mm -hmm. Dr. Jackson is highly successful, so nobody must have a problem. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Those two things, while while the foundational element of it is true, it doesn't represent the whole truth as we know it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I know there's something that you're very close to, and it's around this whole concept of the whole truth. And that is, there was a dashboard that was created for for this region uh, around health and housing and education. And I'm going to let you go into that because it represents the whole truth as we know it that's occurring today. And that data is vitally important to us making the whole truth a whole truth that's much better for everybody. Absolutely. I'm so excited about the the Healthy Communities North Carolina dashboard. HealthyCommunitiesNC.org is out there for anyone with an internet connection to look at. And what it does is it takes 21 different factors of health. And there are social and economic factors, their health behaviors, their physical environment, their clinical care, and their health outcomes. And it looks at that thing as a whole constellation of all those factors and looks at where our state is. And Mm -hmm. when this first started in uh, 2021, we were around as as a state, we were number 37 in the nation in overall health. And uh, our hometown or our home county, New Hanover County, was number 19 out of 100 counties. So, you know, it doesn't take much to say we're right in the bottom quartile of overall health. And then you start peeling back the, the, the rest of the truth around that. And it is a tale of two cities where we live, right? Like there are haves and have-nots, mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can take that back to uh, any of the different indicators, whether you talk about food security, whether you talk about housing opportunities, whether you talk about uh, neighborhoods and what kind of resources they have to get outside and exercise, whether you Mm -hmm. talk about opportunities in school, Mm -hmm. third grade reading, Mm -hmm. whether you talk about incarceration rates, Mm -hmm. whether you talk about uninsured or insured health care, whether you talk about where the access to medical services Mm -hmm. is, through that dashboard, you begin to get a really a vivid painting of what the whole truth is. Mm -hmm. And you can look at it all the way down to the, to the census block level Mm -hmm. across our entire state. Uh, and for the first time that I'm aware of, this information is open source. Mm-hmm. So we've created this dashboard, Cape Fear Collective and Novant Health together created it. And anybody with internet connection can look at it. They can see what it looks like in their neighborhood or any neighborhood in North Carolina. They can download that source data. If they want to do an, if they want to do an intervention, Maybe they have a nonprofit organization. Maybe they have a for-profit organization. Maybe they're doing something with their employees. Maybe they're doing something to improve health or who, any one of a number of things. They can download that source information. Then they can apply their intervention and track it over time to see what's happened. It's the, 
honestly, you know, somebody who's been a doctor in North Carolina for almost 30 years, it's the most exciting thing to ever happen for health that there's ever been in my career. And the question becomes, will people use it enough to make a difference? Right. Yeah. What of the whole truth will they believe? Amen. Because the data is there. Now, if they choose to interpret it totally different than it is intended to be, then it tells us a lot about them. And it tells us a lot about this society in this region because the whole truth is, is being provided. And it's updated on a continuous basis to make the whole truth the whole truth all of the time. Absolutely. And it's, you know, we talked about earlier the example of, of Terry Jackson being successful. And this dashboard is the same thing, right? Like any model, mm-hmm. it, certainly there are some assumptions in there. If you want to exhaustively search that dashboard and find a data point that's questionable or, in, or incorrect, you'll find it. Right. That doesn't mean that the totality of the dashboard doesn't do a good job of representing the whole truth, right? right? Because it's at a population level and there are individual exceptions on that just like there is in anything else. But it's directionally correct in a big way. And, you know, that's just something that we haven't had because it's based on the 10-year state plan for health in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. We've never really had an effective means to track that right? It's in its fourth iteration. Now we can track it. So it'll really be shame on us if we don't, if we don't do something good with it, because Mm -hmm. North Carolina has recently been named a top state for business in the country. That won't last if you don't have healthy employees and healthy communities, because businesses are not going to come here and stay if they're fighting struggles of having mm-hmm. a healthy workforce, a reliable workforce, a well-trained workforce, uh, you know, it'll just it'll just shift again like it has shifted in this country so mm-hmm. many times. So mm-hmm. to me the challenge is how do we put you know that that thriving environment for business together mm-hmm. with a thriving environment for health. Then we'll really have something. We'll have a whole something. Yes, 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 it will be. It will be. It will be a whole truth, right? You know, too often I think um, we're presented with evidence and we're presented with facts and we examine it and we see it for what it is, but we want to believe differently. There's just something about it that, that has to be unbelievable to us even though it's clearly believable it's clearly it's clear in the evidence it's clear in the facts and and i think i want to make sure i have this right maybe it's the sociologists right they call that and i didn't want to use the term cognitive dissonance right where people just believe what they want to believe regardless of what the facts or the evidence may say we have to find a way in our society to, to understand that the, the, the evidence is the evidence and the facts are the facts, but the story has to be whole. It can't be a partial story. Like, we got bits and pieces of 1898. I can tell you that the first time I ever heard of 1898, I was in college. I was a sophomore in college. Growing up in Wilmington all my life, I never heard about it. But as a sophomore in college, there was a gentleman who was a couple of years older. He'd went into the military before going to college, and he was a history major from Wilmington. He was the first person to ever mention 1898 to me because he was a history major. He was reading and studying about it while we were in college, and he mentioned it to me, which, of course, then I began to kind of do a little bit of research and came across the first book that was written called We Have Taken a City by Dr. Henry Prather, who was a professor at Tennessee State. And so I took it upon myself to call Dr. Prather. Not knowing him, just picked up the phone, called at the time we could dial 411 on the phone to get information, right? <laughs> Long time ago. So I dialed 411, Nashville, Tennessee, Henry Prather. I called, his wife answered. She put him on the phone, and we had a conversation about his book, right? And I, I'm not sure if that book is out of print now, uh, but that was the very first book that was written. And then after that, 
was Cape Fear Rising, which was written by a professor out at UC Wilmington. As I compared and contrasted those books, the story was different. I guess interpretation, whatever it was, the whole story was different from the very first story. And now we have several books, Wilmington, Wilmington Lies, and a couple other books that are more consistent with Dr. Prather's book than they were with the professor at uh, UNC Wilmington. But that was interesting because when I saw all of the books and we look at the topic, the whole truth, it's quite interesting what the whole truth is and how it is seen and interpreted by different writers. Yeah, and you know, we'll, we'll never know the, the full extent of all of that. We have to be content with the whole truth that that kind of gives the feeling of it now, 124 years later. Right. And it's to me, it's fascinating the sort of the the difficulty a lot of times in getting at that whole truth is seeing what's missing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm presented with this whole laundry list of facts. Mm-hmm. My tendency is to pick out the facts that are consistent with what I believe. My confirmation bias Mm -hmm. says, see, I was was right. See, I was right. See, I was right. And put together this narrative or this story uh, that that represents what I already believed. It makes, Mm -hmm. for some reason, it it makes a person feel safe to do that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that gets at the importance of inclusive environments. That's right. Because when you begin to explore what does it take to get to the whole truth in this era of misinformation and disinformation? You know, and you, then you kind of, it takes me to, well, what I need is, is uh, trusting relationships with trustworthy individuals. Mm-hmm. That by itself won't be enough. That's right. Because if all those individuals are too similar to me, then they're going to likely have many of the same biases. And so that whole book of business of missing is going to be the same, right? Whereas if I'm willing to surround myself with trusted and trustworthy individuals who are different than I am, Mm -hmm. we can have some legitimate dialogue about different perspectives and we can get a lot closer to a whole truth that way. But sometimes it takes us to uncomfortable places. That's right. And, and you know, as, as you were talking, I, I thought about this concept that was introduced probably over the last, let's say, six to seven years. And it relates to the whole truth because this new concept of fake news. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so fake news, right? We can't get to the whole truth. And you don't know what the whole truth is because there's someone out there saying that the whole truth and everything about it, even though the facts and the story are told the way it's supposed to be told, somebody is saying that it's fake news. So it's putting doubt in people's minds around what really is and what isn't. And it's creating a bunch of chaos right, within um, our society. I, you know, I don't know really how to, to deal with it other than the than root cause, right? But but so many people listen to so many things that is very difficult to sit and explain to someone factually and with all the evidence the way it's supposed to be that something that this is what the whole truth is versus what you believe to be fake news yeah it's really hard for a person self-included to believe something that's remarkably different than my experience right (laughs) right so you know something happens to me you know i've uh, whatever i injure myself doing something then all of a sudden that becomes a dangerous activity right and i'm not gonna you know although in reality it might be one of those safer things that can be done right uh, and and on and on around that example, right? So, how do we how do we move forward in this era of misinformation and disinformation? Mm. Because uh, so much of it is it's steeped in fact, right? There, 
people are using facts which really didn't arrive together, don't really make a story, but they sound like a great story. Mm-hmm. And you put it together in such a way that it drives people's fear. Mm-hmm. And once somebody's afraid, they're really going to be in that survival mode and they're going to believe their mental model, what they've always believed because they think it keeps mm-hmm. them safe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a setup to miss what's missing, it seems to me. It's intentional. It is impactful because there are people who believe in it. One, you know, there are people who believe in it, right? And it's strategic, right? Intentional and strategic, right? Because there's someone trying to get you to believe one particular way, even though that way may not be, quote, unquote, the right way or what's absolute, let me not say right, what's actually accurate, right? We got to get what we try. The whole truth is about accuracy, the way that it actually happened, the way that it actually is, without any of the other interpretations that could potentially happen. So information overload. People suffer from it all the time. That impacts the whole truth. And so we get this whole fake news, right? Where there's a nugget of a nugget of truth in it. But then there's a story that's created all around it to make it seem like the whole truth when it's not. Yeah, we see that in patient care sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it's it's not diabolical, mm-hmm. right? right? But you know, so you take a busy system, yep, and maybe people are stacked in in a queue to maybe go into the operating room, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. an order, mm-hmm. and then something happens. And someone's patient who's further down the queue may get delayed for some reason. And somebody wants to represent that, you know, well, it's bad for patient care as a generic statement, right? Now, the truth is that particular person's care was delayed, which may or may not be important depending upon the urgency of the procedure. And there are all kinds of safety things that are put in place to make sure that the triage is done appropriately. But in terms of patient care across the system, Mm -hmm. it's clearly what was best for patient care because the system has been put in place with a logical order of who gets to go and Mm -hmm. what happens and how you plan for contingencies. So the person who's representing that as bad for patient care is really just looking at a small piece of it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the old exercise of, you know, we've all got PowerPoint slides that show you know, a blown up picture of the little corner of mm-hmm. a of a famous piece of art, right? Mm-hmm. And ask the audience, what's that? Right. Right. And you get all these crazy answers, right? And then you put it up and maybe it's the Mona Lisa or right. whatever. Right. You right. know, but there's right. no way to tell from that small piece, right. right? The whole truth is often bigger than what many people are comfortable acknowledging at one time because it can be overwhelming. That's right. That's right. That's right. And when you get those little small pieces of maybe the Mona Lisa, you have to continue to ask questions, right? You have to be the critical thinking, right? You have to continue to ask questions to continue to dig and to probe until you get the whole truth where you can't, there are no more questions to ask because now you see the entire picture of everything. And it's not that often in society where we have people who are going to continue to question. And actually, for most of us, if people are continuously asking us questions, we get annoyed for, right. the, mo- for the most part, right? And that's because we don't, we, don't want, we don't want to go through the process of critical thinking, right? We talk about it, but we don't want to go through the process because it's why, it's why, it's why, it's why, it's always why, it's always why, right? And what and how. I remember, you know, one of the things I used to teach my daughter was if there's something that you want, what I want you to do is be able to defend it to me. You may not necessarily get it. And so she began to ask a lot of questions and they became extremely annoying (laughs) 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 simply because she was trying to get to a point. She was trying to make her point or defend her point. Right. But as I think about that, and getting to the whole truth of how she saw her truth, it meant critical questions. 
And I wanted to teach it, but I didn't want to experience it because it was annoying, <laughs> right? And so we often, as a society, we get annoyed when people are really trying to get to the whole truth because there's a whole lot of thinking that has to go into the whole truth. And it questions our mental models, which is, makes a lot of us uncomfortable around what the whole truth actually is. Yeah, it reminds me, you know, kids ask such great questions. Yes. That because they're not bound by decades of of their own mental models, their own biases, right? They just it's a it's a beautiful, genuine, authentic quest mm -hmm. for an answer, mm -hmm. right? And you can always I have had the same experiences that you have, you know, with raising a child, <laughs> right? And and at some point it kind of occurred to me, gosh, let's let's keep that curiosity alive, right? Mm -hmm. Like. But at the same time, from a self-protective standpoint, you know, ultimately they ask great questions to the point where your final answer is, because I said it was that <laughs> That's way. That's right. right? <laughs> then you know That's you've right. lost the whole, That's you know, right. it, but it really should make us question right. what we were thinking in the first place, right? You know, and, and that's when you think about translating that out into a business environment or a healthcare environment, mm -hmm. Man is threatening. Yes, it, it really is. It really and truly is. And curiosity is the key to the whole truth, right? You got to remain curious. And oftentimes, as you just mentioned, our curiosity is stamped out of us as 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 kids, right? Stop asking those questions. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. When in fact, we should be encouraging that because we should always want to get to what the whole truth is. Uh, yeah. You know, when that that really. Uh, you know, that takes me to a place of, you know, why didn't I know about certain things? You know, I didn't know about 1898 until I was almost 40 years old. Wow. Right. But you think about people that are about my age and how they were raised, right? Like racism was a wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But not only was it a wrong thing, you dare not mention it mm -hmm. or talk about it and certainly ask questions. Uh, and so that sort of set me up for just being ignorant of what the situation was for a lot of people who I, who were my friends coming up, right? Mm -hmm. My my friends of a different color experienced a different world than I did, but mm -hmm. I didn't really realize it mm -hmm. until much later. Um, and it's made me really curious now to to want to understand, you know, not just the history, but the path forward, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. so how do we how do we see what is missing in a given situation and be able to apply things to that to create a better world, right? right. It, it really becomes about the greater good, um, you know, and, and seeing what's missing and understanding at a deeper level in places that are not very comfortable. Yeah. You know, it's difficult to get to the whole truth when you hear uh, comments like, everything you guys want to talk about is about race. Well, you always want to talk about DE&I, right? Um, well, I say, well, you know, the country was rooted in race. All you got to do is look at the Constitution. At the same time they were declaring their independence, they were enslaving a group of people. And so <laughs> at the very same time, I mean, simultaneously, right? So in order to get to the whole truth, you have to be uncomfortable. They're, they're, those uncomfortable conversations have to happen, right? You ha you're going to have some uh, unlikely intersections, right? You're going to have some unlikely conversations that are going to happen to get to the whole truth. And we have to understand that. It's not about one being comfortable or uncomfortable. It's about how do we get to the whole truth all of the time consistently, right? So that it's in the benefit of everybody in society, not just a few. Man, that's a tricky, tricky ideal to reach. And pretty inspirational to think about what things could look like mm -hmm. if we were able to do that, which really brings us back to that Healthy Communities North Carolina dashboard mm -hmm. and looking at all these health factors together, creating intention mm -hmm. around many of them to really create a healthier world, but it's it's health in the holistic sense, right? It's, it's not just physical, mental, spiritual. Mm -hmm. It is 
financial, it's mm -hmm. economic, mm -hmm. it's social. It's mm -hmm. what does everything look like in a big picture uh, to make a given community or set of communities mm -hmm. prosperous. Mm -hmm. And when we can do that, I think that we'll definitely be on a track for something, something truly remarkable because communities that have done it, I mean, they see people live vigorous lives to be a hundred years old mm -hmm. and never be sick, mm -hmm. right? They mm -hmm. work, mm -hmm. they're connected. There's not this phenomenon of social isolation. Mm -hmm. People have things to engage in, whether it's multi-generational activities. You know, I think about, you know, would I, wouldn't I love to see my granddad again or my grandmother mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. what could I learn now, mm -hmm. you know, if they were still around mm -hmm. that I didn't have sense enough to ask before, right? right? Or was that's scared right. to ask before. That's right. That's right. But that's kind of where we are. And I know we're going to do a deeper exploration of a lot of these dashboard features, you know, going forward. I really look forward to that because a lot of questions arise from, from that particular exploration. Yeah. It, and it, and it should, it should be curious because people should want to know the whole truth. And now that that dashboard is available and they can dig into the data, they can find the whole truth which would be beneficiary to them because they could take it and utilize it to make their lives and lives of their, their family lives much better. Yep, absolutely. Well, Terry, I've really enjoyed our time together again today, and hopefully our audience is enjoying this conversation, and I'd love for them to come catch up to us on unlikelyintersections.com. Catch me on LinkedIn at Doc Philip Brown. Or you and you can catch me at LinkedIn at uh, Terry Jackson, PhD. To our audience, thank you. We look forward to seeing you next time.